Hey guys, welcome to Psychology Hacks. Today we're going to be talking about probabilities and how it affects our psychology. If you like what you hear, be sure to like and subscribe, share with your friends, follow me on Tinder, all that good stuff. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance today because my voice is a little bit hoarse. I may or may not have been screaming at a government official, but that's a long and irrelevant story, so we're not going to talk about it. Let's just get right into it. Probabilities. First of all, I'm not giving you a math class. There is absolutely no way I'm qualified to give you a math class. Uh, we're just going to talk about some of the ways that your brain, your brain kind of, it, it has this habit of skipping over work. Um, people say it's naturally lazy. I disagree with that. I think it's naturally efficient. I think saying your brain is naturally lazy is a really limiting belief. and It's kind of a negative, negative thing to say about yourself. So we're going to say it's naturally efficient. Um, and your brain, if it's faced with the choice of actually working out a complicated math problem or potentially complicated problem and just making an intuitive guess, more often than not, it's going to just make that guess. And your, your unconscious brain is pretty good at those guesses, all right? However, um, it, it can be a problem sometimes, and we're going to talk about those problems. So it, it's just... It, First of all, your unconscious kind of intuitive side of your brain, it's really bad about making probability guesses. Uh, unless you're a, a freak of nature that can just automatically do those equations, you're probably, you probably don't really do the equation in your head. You probably just make a guess of how likely do you think this is. You're not actually working through the math um, unless you take the time to actually sit down and put it on paper. So even if you're good at working with the math on paper, when it's just a guesstimate, the probability is probably not going to be correct. I didn't mean to say probability twice like that. I can't say the other word, um, statistic, statistic. Can I say, can I get it out? Statistic. Yeah. I have a hard time saying that. So we're going to say probabilities a lot. Uh, anyway, your brain is really good at making those intuitive approximations, but, um, here, here's the good news. And it doesn't, this idea, it doesn't work in our favor per se, um, not on a day-to-day -day basis, but once you understand some of the fallacies that you're prone to fall into, it it does actually put you at a pretty big advantage. So let's talk about it. First of all, people tend to assign a disproportionate amount of weight to the wrong things. So if you generally have an optimistic viewpoint of things, you're probably going to focus on those positive aspects and you're going to predict an outcome that's unrealistically optimistic. Um, once again, I'm not going to give you a math class, but this is something that can be useful when you're planning the future um, just to understand your brain's natural tendencies. Uh, there's been a few studies where people have asked uh, entrepreneurs what they thought of their odds of success were when they first started out in their, their businesses. And I'm not going to get into the weeds with it, but basically pretty much everyone said that they thought they had a really high probability of being successful, like I think above 80%. And that doesn't make a lot of sense because if, if the majority of small businesses fail within the first five years, I, I think it is in the 80% range, or the ballpark at least, it doesn't make sense that every entrepreneur is going to be in that 80% success. You know, it just, it, it's not physically, it's not possible. And a, a similar study happened with drivers. People asked, um, or it, it was a survey that asked people to rate themselves as drivers. And pretty much everybody rated themselves as a very good driver. And we all know that that's not freaking true. That's, <laughs> that, that's pretty obvious. And it, nobody said that they were below average. Definitely not the you know twenty thirty percent area. So right away we can see that that doesn't really make sense because not everybody can be an above average driver. It's just not possible. 
So what's happening is the, the confirmation bias is kicking in. People fixate on the qualities that they're looking for. If they think that this is a, a very good, um, if, they're, if they're positive about it, they're going to notice all the positive aspects and they're going to weigh them uh, heavier than the negative aspects, right? And they're going to downplay those, the, the significant of the, the potential problems. So if you're looking to undertake something new and potentially risky, do not, moral of the story, do not just kind of make an approximation in your head of what you think the odds of success are. Now, if you're going into something like if you're starting a business and you know most businesses fail, that's not a reason not to do it. That's a reason to be careful and look at why do these things fail? How can I have as many contingency plans in place as possible? How can I really make sure that I'm doing as much as possible to not be in those lower percentiles? What are the successful people doing that the unsuccessful people aren't? And how can I make sure to do as many of those things as possible? It's not a good, it's not a reason to avoid doing things that have a high likelihood of failure. It's just that when you're planning this out, you need to really sit down and do it on paper is what I'm trying to say. You don't want to do this in your head because your brain's going to just, even if you know it's important, your brain's going to start going like, oh yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's roughly this, it's about that. And I've got a pretty good chance of success because I'm good at these things. And these are the negatives, eh, but they're not really that important. Like you need to really sit down and get this worked out logically. That way you can have a really as objectively as possible viewpoint of this, right? And so now this is gonna bring me into my second point. For anybody who has really big goals and ambitions, you've probably heard something along the lines of, you know, that's crazy, you shouldn't do that. It's a one in a million chance you're gonna end up like everybody else who has failed and the odds of success are just not in your favor, stuff like that. Well, here's the interesting thing. Now that we know that people's guesses about the future are misguided at best, Let's look at how this toxic belief is actually entirely wrong. So let's say you want to be a professional artist or entrepreneur, actor, comedian, you know, something of that nature, something that's, it's really difficult to be successful in and the pursuit of which leaves a lot of people, you know, broke their whole lives. You've heard the term starving artist. Um, if, you, if you've been told that it's a one in a million shot, let's really break it down and look at the odds. First of all, one in a million is just kind of this generalization. That's people estimating or guesstimating really um it, it's not a real number but let's say just for the sake of example that it is real number that if you want to be a successful musician that you are competing with a million other people you are you have that tiny little chance of being successful and everybody else is just going to be a failure right well let's understand this it's not really a million to one because even if you really are competing with all these other people do they really deserve to be counted on the same level as you because let's, let's say, okay, a million people want to be a successful rock star, whatever, actor, I don't know, movie star, something. That's a lot of competition, but it's not fair to put everybody in the same category because everybody wants it, sure, but who actually puts in the work to be successful? Out of those million people, how many of them work for like around four hours a day every single day for the next three to five years? Because... Just based off of interviews that I've heard with a lot of successful people, I, I'm not saying this from a uh, mathematical standpoint or something that like this. This hasn't. This isn't a study that I'm pulling from. I'm just a lot of the people that I look up to have kind of said that they put in you know two to four hours of work for somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five years before they started to meet success. Not not before they became super successful. Just before they started meeting success. So that two to four hours a day for three to five years. First of all, that's a really good number to know, but 
the other thing is that most people don't do that. Most people, they, they want it, but they don't put in that kind of work. And they might do it for a minute. They might even put in, I know a lot of people that have gotten started with something, they put in like eight hours a day for a week and then they quit. Like, you don't deserve to, if, if you're putting in that consistent effort and that much time, you don't deserve to be counted with the people that might do it on the weekends, that think about it a lot, but they don't actually put in the work. It's not really a million to one. That's, that's like in the hundreds range. If that, that might be, let's say it's a hundred to one now, because if you consistently stick with it, the odds are, okay, well, it's 100 to 1 now. Okay, cool. Well, let's narrow it down even further because you can really get deep with this. Of those people who have the right mindset, who have a growth mindset, and instead of just assuming that, oh, I'm good, I deserve this, not they're trying to get better every single day. They're really pushing themselves because not everybody does that. Who focuses on other aspects of life that are going to have an effect on this? Like, if, you're, if you don't take care of yourself um, in terms of your, your health, if, you, if you're not sleeping well, if you drink too much, if you do uh, a lot of drugs and you, you don't eat healthy, like that's taking away from your brain power. That's making you less efficient. It, you're not able to do as much or be as good as you were if you were operating at you know maximum capacity. So who actually takes their health into consideration, their emotional health, their mental health, their physical health, who spends enough time focusing on these little minor details? I mean, if you're an artist, uh, really subtle things can affect you, like the color of the room that you spend the most time in. Uh, I, I know uh, blue stimulates creativity. Red has a different effect on you. Red can have an energizing effect. Like there, There's so, so many little things, like who thinks about the color of the room? Well, a lot of times really successful people do pay attention to these tiny little details. And it's not that any of those things by themselves set them apart, but it's the combination of all this hard work, but also understanding that it's a holistic approach that you need to take. It's not just that you put in the hours, like how present are you in the moment when you're putting that work in? Are you sitting, you know, playing instruments or running lines or uh, I don't know, whatever you're doing with a business? Are you doing that for four hours a day or are you kind of doing it while you're on your phone? Because the more you kind of hone in on what are the successful people doing that everyone else is not, the more of those things you, you are doing, the higher your odds of success are. And you don't deserve, if you are doing those things, you do not deserve to be counted as one in a million. Now it's like one in a dozen, one in a hundred maybe, when, when you start to take all of these effects into consideration. And of course, it's not really a competition. Like, it's not that only one person out of this million can be successful. It's, it's just that these are the things that set you apart from everybody else. So... It's really important to understand this when you're getting into the idea of, I want to be successful. You need to really break down your psychology. Like, how are you looking at this? Are you looking at this from the standpoint that, oh, I've got a really good chance of making it because I have a lot of talent. Well, that's this first fallacy that we talked about when we're talking about how people, they, they put too much weight on certain things. Well, talent gets you started, but it, doesn't, it does not take you to the end. If raw talent is not enough. You have to put in this work consistently. You have to be patient with it. And there's so many other factors that go into it. So if you're sitting down and thinking, oh yeah, I can do this. I'll, I'll definitely be successful in a few years. Well, I wouldn't really count on it if you're not doing everything that the massively successful people are doing. Because then the odds are not in your favor, and you, but you're, you're misconstruing it. You're, you're thinking that they're in your favor and you're really just making this ridiculous guess. And on the other hand, just because the odds are, you know, in, in theory, they're stacked against you, it's because it's really difficult to get into. It's not a reason not to do it. 
it, it, it really isn't because the more you, you hone in on these small details, the more likely you are to actually pull this out. So I think it's super important to talk about psychology when it comes to success. I hope you guys find value in this. Um, just let me know. Get in touch with me. Come back and see me real soon. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.